Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of ALM's award-winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. And welcome to the September edition of Law Technology Now, produced as always by the Legal Talk Network in Boston and ALM here in New York. Uh, We have a terrific program for you today. I think I say that every single time, but it's true every single time, because we are going to discuss uh, the the current issue of Law Technology News and the cover story, The Eureka Moment. And this was written by our favorite freelancer in the universe, Alan Cohen, who does just such a wonderful job on legal technology uh, for ALM. And we love it when we have him writing a piece. Uh, Before we get started, I want to remind you that there are three different ways you can find Law Technology Now. You can go to ALM's website, Surprise, surprise, lawtechnologynow.com. You can find us on the Legal Talk Network, which is www.legaltalknetwork.com. And because we are so cool, we're on the iTunes library. Also want to thank our two sponsors, App River, and they provide email and web security products. And you can find out more about them at appriver.com. And PC Law by LexisNexis, you'll find them at PCLaw.com slash radio. Uh, three great guests today, Colleen Nihill, Tony Licata, and Kim Craig. And they all three are featured in the Eureka Moment. And uh, the story looks at how big law has stopped uh, twiddling its thumbs and finally learned to uh, love legal practice management. And it's been a long road. There's been a lot of resistance to legal practice management over the 14 years I've been editing Law Technology News. But clearly a factor that has driven some of this is the irritation of clients who have basically come to their existing law firms and said, get your act together or we're going to go find someone else who will do uh, alternative fee agreements and use um, legal project management. So I want to throw the first question, if I can, out to Colleen and Nihil. And Colleen, tell us a little bit about what you do at your firm. Sure. Thank you. Um, thank you for having us on the program. My name is Colleen Nihill. I'm the firm-wide director of project management here at Deckert. I was a former practicing attorney before I took that role, um, but largely now my role is around helping our attorneys raise their business acumen. And by that, I mean really teaching our attorneys the um, some conventional wisdom around best practices when it comes to budgeting for legal matters and how to manage those matters with data, and then making sure that we have a reservoir of data that we can continuously pull for to inform budgets moving forward. And Tony Licata, tell us about your background. Hi, I actually work with Colleen Nihill uh, here at Deckard. I'm the Chief Financial Officer, Uh, and Colleen uh, works uh, in uh, the finance function here at Deckard. Um, to do exactly what you said, which is marry the data uh, that we have housed in the finance function uh, to the legal practice management to make sure that, one, uh, we're not making decisions that are emotional and and without um, real data and information to inform those decisions, but also to make sure that we get both our clients and our our other customers, which are our attorneys, 
good information so that they can manage their portfolios uh, once they have the work in the door, but more importantly, uh, to get us a price that we can uh, that we can work with and our clients are happy with because it's predictable and uh, and uh, something they can hold us to. And Kim Craig, tell us about what you do at SafeArth. Um, hi, yes, Kim Craig. I'm the director of SafeArth's Legal Project Management Office, and I oversee a team of project managers. We believe probably the largest in law firm legal project management office in the world of about 19 folks that actually partner with the attorneys in planning how to provide legal services to our clients through efficient means, looking at budgets, looking at data process, pulling all the resources and knowledge management together for an efficient delivery to the client. So the first question I want to throw out at you, well, actually, it's the second question, is the baby boomers are still pretty much in charge at most of the big law firms. Um, And they are notorious, or I should say we are notorious for being resistant to technology. Um, For each of your firms, what was the biggest hurdle for you in selling, uh, if you will, uh, legal practice management and alternative fee agreements to firm leadership. Uh, Colleen, why don't you start for us? Sure. The biggest challenge was probably dispelling the notion that our partners had to do something different than they were currently doing. Um, most partners, as you acknowledged, are resistant to, t- resistant to technology, which is why we created a department that helps the partners and sort of acts as a buffer between their practice and the technology that they're going to be using to manage their budgets. Um, I have a team of individuals, both that come from um, what I would call a financial background setting, as well as attorneys, that eliminate the headaches uh, for our partners when operating in a budget or with respect to certain technologies. So we really take that burden on for them. And overcoming the challenge, once a partner was able to work with us for the first time, saw the ease and the flexibility and the timeliness that we could respond, really helped to overcome um, some of those, I guess, um, more, what are called, hesitations about getting involved with our group. And Kim, how about SafeArth? How did, what, what did you perceive as the biggest challenges in the beginning of these programs? Well, we went into this um, in 2005 looking for a better way to provide services to the clients, change the way that we were working, and went into it full game on under our SafeArth Lean program. We knew that it was going to be a change in the way that attorneys were thinking and working. And some of the ways that we kind of overcame that was to, our focus is not strictly on alternative fee arrangements. We actually, much of what my team is doing in the firm is focused on all work because the AFAs are just one component of what we do. And we believe that being focused on efficient delivery, predictability, and cost-effective with high quality on all the work is a better way to get the attorneys to focus on these attributes, not just for AFAs. So through our process mapping efforts that we started early on in 2006 under our CypherLink program, in many cases with the attorneys actually sitting in rooms with us and talking about the best way to deliver these legal services, they became the drivers and adopters of technology. They were the ones asking for templates and new tools Things that we had tried to get them to adopt over the years in previous roles that I'd had and others in the firm. 
as they became owners of that and drivers and then working very closely with the clients to review the process maps, talk about the resources and, and technologies and ways that we would deliver this work, they saw the results from the client and the enhanced uh, relationship that was derived from that effort. So we were able to overcome a lot of the initial challenges to our efforts. And tell us a little bit, you mentioned SafeArth Lean, and many of our listeners might not be familiar with that. Uh, if I recall correctly, that's a variation on um, Six Sigma, is that right? That's correct. It's a convergence of Six Sigma as well as Lean Six Sigma, and then we adapted it more for the legal environment. We launched that at the end of 2005 and continue to do Greenbelt training with our attorneys that includes project management training, and it focuses on data, focuses on process. And if someone out there has absolutely no clue about what Six Sigma is, can you give him give him or her the 10-second uh, elevator definition? Sure. Lean Six Sigma focuses on process, and Six Sigma is looking at defects in that process. So we focus on the overall process, looking for making sure that steps are all value-add steps. There, we look to remove redundant steps, unneeded steps, things that would be considered waste. And when we analyze the way that we're delivering work, we identify areas for improvement, maybe defects in a process. And that's where we use some of our problem-solving tools that derive from Lean Six Sigma to address those, looking at historical data, looking at cycle time, looking at many ways to analyze how we could improve this, and always including the client in those discussions. Now, in Alan Cohen's article, he identified several best practices that have made both of your firm's programs successful, including tying it to the data, creating springboard maps, being flexible, looking at the tools you have and determining who the point person is. We don't have time in our short podcast to hit every single one of those, but let's start a little bit before we take our break on tie it to the data. What does that mean, Tony? Tied to the data is, again, I, I always use, and I said it before, taking the emotion out of a discussion. And one of the ways to, to do that is to tie the process that you're trying to measure um, and, and the idea you're trying to illustrate uh, with data, with, with, with you know, tying legal uh, – the legal industry has a number of, of metrics that um, – that, that are very useful, one, but also easy to understand that, uh, you know, it, it is, uh, it, it's not very hard to, to, to figure out that, right, you, you buy folks at wholesale and you chop them up and sell them at retail. And from there, you can, you can produce uh, a number of different metrics to understand productivity, um, how much uh, a resource is being used. And from there, what you can do is, uh, is really get the the attorneys to start to stop thinking at at a theoretical level and start talking about their portfolios in a very business savvy discussion. And uh, one of the ways you have to do that though is invest in databases that can produce what indeed uh, you want them to focus on, which is reliable data and and data that um, that everybody is comfortable with and everybody understands. So one, it's educating the population on what the metrics are that the firm measures you on. Two, what is the data that the firm and clients recognize are useful to having an informed discussion? And then three is socializing the data so everybody can, can have it at uh, effectively real time and or um, a time that makes everybody um, 
gives them the time to, to use the data uh, to affect decisions that are meaningful. Terrific. And uh, we're going to uh, stop for a moment for a quick break to hear from our sponsors, App River and PC Law. We'll be right back. Tired of all the headaches of running your law firm? Want to spend your time doing what really matters? Then you need PC Law. PC Law from LexisNexis is the legal industry's best-selling matter, billing, and accounting software. It has never been easier to manage your law firm and serve your clients. Get back to doing what matters to you. For a free trial, go to PCLaw.com slash radio. That's PCLaw.com slash radio. Or call us at 800-685-2161 today. Protect your firm's email with AppRiver. Send confidential emails with confidence using AppRiver's CypherPost Pro email encryption service. With CypherPost Pro, you'll control who sees your messages, and a patented delivery slip will show you when they're received and opened. There's no hardware or software to manage. You can cancel any time, and you get a 30-day free trial, all backed by AppRiver's phenomenal care. Visit AppRiver.com, that's A-P-P-River.com, or call 866-223-4645. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial playing in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com. And we are back. Um I was intrigued by a phrase in Alan Cohen's article about creating springboard maps. Uh, Colleen, what, what's a springboard map and why is it important in, for a successful uh, legal project management? Sure. Lots of our attorneys um, through their education are trained to appreciate precedent. Um, so they're trained to follow something that has done been done previously. And um, one thing that comes hard for them is basically creating either a process map from scratch or a budget from scratch without having something to refer to. So having something the attorney can springboard off of, whether it be a process map or a budget, really helps them get started to understand exactly what they're supposed to be doing for another project. What our system allows is for attorneys to go and revisit prior precedent, prior either litigation matters or transactional deals, see how they performed from a financial perspective perspective, but also more importantly, see how they performed from a um, matter perspective, meaning how was it staffed, what type of work was done, and, and follow those steps in coming up with what would in essence be a new project for either an existing client or for a new client. But being able to rely on past precedent and then actually refine that and improve that is something that's been very key to um, our attorney success at managing matters, whether they're on an alternative fee basis or whether they're on standard or discounted hourly rates. Now, is that the equivalent of having, if you will, a template for types of, of uh, deals or matters? Exactly. It's, it's a knowledge management component that's been built into our 
finance systems, and then um, that my group oversees in terms of making sure that our attorneys, when they're either pitching new work or existing work, they can dial into something that's already been completed for a previous client um, and see how that performed, again, from a time and billing perspective, as well as from what I would call a qualitative work perspective. So not inventing the wheel a little bit. Exactly. Um, now, one of the, um, uh, another topic that jumped right out at me was the concept of looking to the tools you already have. And we did a discussion in the, in the article about some of the common technology that's used. And as, as best as we could tell, um, most of the folks who Alan talked to found that people weren't running out to buy a single new you know, cradle to grave solution. They were looking rather to use stuff they already had. Um, talk to us if you would, and Tony, I'll give you this one. Why can that help be a better sell, even though there are some full service programs, which some people love, such as uh, Thomson Reuters uh, Engage, and there's some other other tools out there that one might think, well, wouldn't you want to pick this up and take it off and have it, you know, do everything? Uh, is that yeah. question too vague? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, it, it's something we actually considered when we were investing in the process and investing in the department. And we came quickly to the conclusion that, you know, and I said it in the article as well, you can put in all the systems you want uh, until you invest in actually the process and get some diligence into your organization about um, uh about what is going to happen at a central level, i.e. what Colleen does and her group does, and then you're going to have executive level sponsorship. Uh, systems aren't going to solve the problem. Uh, we thought it was a better uh, – there are dollars that need to be invested if you're going to do this correctly. right? There are soft costs, i.e. costs you have sitting in your organization already that you're going to redeploy, and then there are hard costs that you'd have to invest, i.e. more headcount and or a system. Uh, I don't think the – the pitch to get this off the ground wasn't, hey, look, we're going to use what we have. We we actually took a look at the systems and thought it didn't match our needs. And, and what I mean by that is there are cradle-to-grave systems, and they're very partner-facing, and they're very – um, they're very user they, – they appear to be very user-friendly to the partners. Our process is a much more centralized process. We're not asking our partners to do a ton more than they did before. And Colleen referenced that nicely uh, earlier in the discussion. So we didn't want all of the interfaces to be on the partner side. We wanted a much more data-intensive system that we thought we could build than is currently out there in the market um, for a centralized operation. We actually have the partners come to us. We do a lot of the work for them, and we return back to them uh, the, the documents and data that they need through dashboards. But we don't want them doing the, the lion's share of the work, and that is what most of the systems currently do is uh, is sell to the partners a very user-friendly interface, which we didn't find to be useful for the cost, because it's a very significant cost, and we thought we could put the dollars elsewhere. So basically, firms have to look and see what is in the best interest of their particular uh, firm with the whole range of, of individuals, et cetera, and they may vary for everyone. I, I noticed that in the story, um, Deckard indicated that among the tools they use are Carpe Diem, which is Ticket.com, Redwood Analytics from LexisNexis, Elite from Thomson Reuters, and a whole bunch of Microsoft SQL Server components. Um, am I missing anything on that uh, list? No. 
This is Colleen. One of the things that, you know, is outside of the technology is really our investment in the analysts that tie all this data together. And during the interview and during some of the sessions that I had with Alan, one of the things that I had mentioned um, time and time again is that all of the you can have all of the systems in place, and Tony alluded to this as well, but unless you have somebody actually analyzing the information or providing that role as a pricing specialist or providing that role as a project management analyst for the partners, the data is rendered effectively useless. And many of the cradle-to-grave software solutions um, offer their software as a proxy for those individuals that we feel add the most value to our initiative and to our department. Well, we only have time for one more question, and I'm going to give each of you a quick moment to answer it. Um, If you would uh, tell us what advice you would give to a law firm that is considering adopting legal project management. And while you're giving that, please also tell our audience how they might reach you if they would like to uh, get in touch with you. Uh, Colleen, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, My biggest piece of advice would be to start small so that you can show some sort of measurable success. We've spoken a lot on this program about data, and I think it's particularly important when you're launching an initiative like this that has such a huge change management piece um, and effectively rendering um, a cultural change to make sure that you have an identifiable success to show that there's been some client value add that has been demonstrated by the program and to show the attorneys that their portfolio of work has actually worked better with the help of um, a legal project management department and analysts. If anybody would like to get in touch with me, they can email me at colleen.nihill at decker.com, C-O-L-L-E-E-N dot Nihil, N-I-H-I-L-L at Deckert.com. Thank you for including me in the program today. Thank you so much. Tony, your turn. Sure. I, I would uh, piggyback what Colleen said. And at the C-level, board level, get executive support. Right, This is an investment that you're going to make if you're going to do it correctly. And to do that, you need executive support because board level support. So some of the people in that room might not very well be people that uh, are proponents of project management, but you need to sell it at the executive level, at the board level, so you can have the culture understand or you can have the firm understand that the culture is changing and this is necessary because clients find it necessary, not because we decided to put another layer of red tape into the organization. Uh, Nothing good comes out of uh, rolling out a process and spending lots of money without the the requisite executive support that you need uh, to uh, be successful. And again, if you want to reach me, uh, you can email me as well, uh, anthony.licata, L-I-C, A-T-A at Deckert, D-E-C-H-E-R-T dot com. Kim, you get the last word on that? Uh, Yes, I agree with both uh, Colleen and Tony's uh, recommendations. Those are good good points to pay attention to. And I think the other thing I would add is be flexible. Um, Project managers, whether you have a team such as we do or you have a discipline that you're trying to bring in of project management, it comes with a certain rigor and discipline. It can only work if you are flexible in your approach. I like to say that we kind of have a one-size-fits-all, but we also pluck and pick what tools, what resources, what methods we use to apply to the legal services. So having to be agile, and we've we've kind of taken the software agile methodology, took a look at that, and we apply agile legal project management so that we can adapt to our internal clients as well as our external clients in each each um, matter that we're working on. So be flexible. 
And I can be reached at kcraig, C-R-A-I-G, at Seifarth, S-E-Y-F-A-R-T-H dot com. Well, thank you. thank you so much. It was a great discussion. And we, of course, as always, we could have spent another two hours on this topic. And I want to thank all three of our guests. If you'd like to read the article that they are all quoted in, you can find it on the current issue of Law Technology News on our website, www.lawtechnologynews.com. Shout outs, as always, to Boston for the Legal Talk Network staff, Lou Ann Reed, Mike Hockman, and Kate Kenny. Here in New York at ALM, my colleague and producer, David Jasper. And a thank you again to our sponsors, App River and PC Law by LexisNexis. And just remember, as always, there is no crying in baseball or technology. I'm Monica Bay. We'll see you in October. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.